Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. All right, buckle up, everybody. Get ready for a ride of an afternoon. Because <laughs> we are going to talk about video games, which is very exciting. We don't get to do this all the time. Yeah. And uh, the title of this is What Video Games Can Teach Us About Creating an Experience. So we're going to go mouthful. We're going to go through the gamut. We're going to go through, uh, you know, all the way from the Atari system, you know, the Sega Genesis and the, and the original Nintendo with the Super Mario Brothers, all the way up to today, you know, with probably even Battlefield 1 and, and GTA 5. Well, that's currently where, you know, some of the biggest games are. Yeah. Um, I know some of these games, these newer games you haven't played yet, but we'll talk about yeah. the experience of them and also uh, probably get into some of these indie games as yeah. well. You know, Absolutely. like, uh, like flower and, um, what was, what was a couple of those other ones? Uh, uh journey is journey. another one. Yeah. the same developer, um, maybe eco yeah. and shadow of the Colossus. I haven't played the newer one, which you've played some of that. The last guardian. Yeah. The last guardian. Um, I haven't finished it. I've been, I, I really, really love that game. Yeah. It's really fun. Um, yeah. So, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it and how it relates to experience, but you know, I think the thing with video games, one thing I want to kick it off with is when I was a kid, my parents were always so like, I mean, they let me play video games, but if I was sitting around playing video games, they got like, go outside, go do something, you know, whatever. And I think uh, that's important too. I I think it's important. I don't think you should be sitting inside playing video games all day. I think you need to get out. But, um, I was listening to an article, uh, or or an article, a, a video, and it was an article attached. And the guy was talking about video games and how video games are such a great thing in our, in our culture right now, because video games, are actually teaching you how to fail and learn from your failures. Mm. Because the thing is, is with a video game, you try something, it doesn't work out. So then you go, okay, well, why didn't that work? And then you try again and you get better and you problem get solving and you problem solve and you figure it out. And life is a lot like this, you know? And the thing is, is that video games in a lot of ways teach you how to think in a smarter way. Yeah. So, you know, you know, I do the live stream, you know, have a live audience listening and stuff. And one day I was playing GTA. And so I'm playing GTA and I just started going off and I was actually teaching people life lessons through GTA. I know it sounds totally backwards because it's a crime <laughs> game, but yeah. I was talking about how to think. Like, for example, I was about to do a mission, for example, and I had to put like a certain amount of investment. Like basically in the game, you earn money and the money is kind of it takes time and effort and energy to earn the money, but you get the money, you can buy cool things in the game and that's kind of how it works. Right. But this mission would have basically been like a $120,000 of my investment in the game money. Right. And, and an other player can come along and they could totally heist your mission and you lose all your money. Right. So you could end up losing a hundred grand, but if you get through it, you get like 300 grand. Right. So you make like almost 200, right? Yeah. So I was, kind of about to do this mission. Everybody's sitting there with packed audience, like, you know, like a hundred people live just watching. And I started kind of explaining to people like how I was going to go about doing this mission. I wasn't just playing a video game, but I was thinking and I was being patient and I was trying to make sure I had a window so that I could get away with this without losing the money that I had earned in the game, which right. 
you know, about a hundred grand in the game takes anywhere from half an hour to an hour, maybe more to earn. Yeah. So that's like an hour of your life, just like gone. Right. Yeah. So, um, anyway, the video game gives a certain amount of trial and error to go, okay, well, I'm going to take a risk here, but I'm going to take a smart risk. I'm not just going to be willy nilly about it because yeah. I, I was willy nilly before and someone heisted my, my mission. And I lost some money. So I learned from that. And right. so the pain of learning from that, which didn't really have any real consequence in my real life, gave me a chance to learn and grow. And that's an experience, mm-hmm. right? So I think these video games, like, um, they, they, pr- not all necessarily, but they do provide opportunities for us to grow and learn and, and think and improve upon life by practicing in this virtual world. Yeah. 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 And I think that, um, video games for me, it's like they, they present a unique, um, a a unique take on, on creation, creativity and artistry simply because it is unlike other mediums. It's not passive. You, you have to interact with a video game. Yeah. Uh, and because of its very, of the very nature of how, of how a game works, when they're being made, um, the entire thing, and, and they call it gameplay, right? It's like, what's the gameplay like? I think in, in many ways that's really talking about, it's like, what is the experience like right. of this? Because you are going, you are going to have an experience of it where it's good, bad, or indifferent. Um, but you are playing this thing, you're controlling it, you're manipulating it in some way. And so it's all within what occurs there between, you know, what you're doing in your hands and what's happening on the screen and, and that kind of relationship, uh, creates an experience for us. And there's no other medium that is so involved in thinking about that and thinking so much about your audience, essentially like designers are thinking about their audience. Like, what is this going to feel like? How does this move? How does this control? Is this going to get in the way of the experience that they're having? Right. It's like, how do you remove these barriers, you know, between your audience member and this kind of this world that you've created? Hmm. It's like, it's, it's, there's nothing, there's, there's no other medium. I don't even think in film, like film can really immerse you in an experience, but not in quite the same way that a video game can. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, and you're pointing out about uncharted and how uncharted kind of changed the game of combining gameplay and cinematics where you're, you're cinema, you're watching a cinematic and then all of a sudden the camera whips around and you all of a sudden you realize you're in the game. And so this did a really neat thing of kind of making the, you're watching a, a movie, you're watching some dialogue, you're watching something happen. Then all of a sudden you're in the, you're in it and you're like active and you can do something in it, which yeah. is kind of neat. And other games since then have done things where there might be a cinematic going on, but you could be in the cinematic and you could be looking somewhere else. You don't have to be looking at yeah. the person who's talking to you or you can, you, you know, you can still interact within the cinematic, you know? And so this is, this is an interesting kind of thing. Like, I think sometimes I want to sit back and just watch a movie and I want to be more passive and yeah. I don't want to have to like think or be involved so much, but a video game definitely gets you more active and it gets you interacting with things. And some of these games, like especially these open sandbox games or these 
games where you might have to go explore and go into a maze or go do something. You, part of the mission is walking around, exploring that place and like looking for things. Yeah. Um, this is game, uh, Fallout, you know, Fallout, Oblivion, Skyrim, these types of games by, uh, Bethesda. Yeah, these big open world yeah. role-playing type of games. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the time you're walking through an area and you're looking to pick up gear and, and things you find along the way because you can combine it later and like make a better weapon or, yeah. you know, you can use it to sell or do something in the game and you really get immersed in these like games because you're this character and you, and further you design this character too. So it's like they either yeah. resemble you or they resemble something that you kind of imagine be cool to be. And then you go through this and you build skills as you go through it and your character gets better. And so it's, um, it's a really incredible thing. I think it's harder for the older generation to understand how, how, um, expansive and, and cool and interesting video games can be. Mm-hmm. But I feel like generationally now, um, video games are actually opening up across the market now. Like yeah. older people are, are now downloading games on their phones and all sorts of stuff. They're, they're warming up to yeah. the market. Right. And they're almost, what's funny is older generations are beginning where like our generation started like 20, 30 years ago, you know? Yeah. Like we were little kids playing Nintendo and Atari and Sega. Yeah. These very sort of like basic kind of games. Yeah. Right. But that you interacted on a very basic level, but like, you know, they can be very addictive. They're, they can be addictive in their simplicity. Yeah. Right. Like something like Pong, you know, and, and now it's, it's interesting because so many of like the big popular, like mobile games that come out and stuff, like they're so simple, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, I, I usually find that like, I have fun with them for a little bit, like for a little while, get into it. And then I'm just done with it. Yeah. I just hit a point. I'm just like, no, I'm, I'm bored because in some ways I'm like, I've had this kind of experience already. I've played, I've played so many games like this growing up. They're just sort of like reskinned, repackaged oftentimes of something that was like done a long time ago, but it just works well on a phone. Cause it's just like, you know, simple motions. There's like, well, and I think you raise a good point. You've done it a lot. And so like, I think when you first play a game like that, like a side scroller, the first time you ever play a side scroller, and if it's a good side scroller, it can be great. You can get so involved in it. Cause that's what we used to get involved yeah. in when we were kids. But like, I've played so many side scrollers now that for me, aside my standards of what makes a good side scroller is so high, you yeah. know, but what it used to be so low, you know what I mean? And I remember when, uh, I don't know if you remember when modern warfare came out, Yeah. the, the first person shooters before that were pretty good. But then modern warfare came out. It kind of changed the game. And I remember battlefield came out on the computer before that. And these kind of, they changed, they changed the way a game was played. And so I remember when modern warfare came out, I played through it. I beat the game. I beat it like twice and I had so much fun with it. And I'm like, I want to play some more of these first person shooters. So I went out and I bought all the other first person shooters that were like available, but they were past gen. Yeah. And so I started playing and like, these suck. I was like, I didn't, I wasn't like a big first person shooter, but I, but the difference between playing them. And so what happens is I find that now my standard for these games, cause I've, I've been well versed in video games. is like a lot higher there. There's been certain, yeah, like sort of moments. And I feel like technology plays a big part in that. Um, because you know, there's only so much, like there's little things that like, you, you don't necessarily think about that plays such a big 
important role in it. Like, it's interesting. I, I a friend of mine, he has one of those like uh, mini like classic Nintendos that they re-released. And so I went over to his place and we sat down. We we're playing through all the old games. We're like, oh, this is great. Like so much nostalgia. And we were in the middle of playing like uh, a double dragon or something, you know, it's like, oh yeah, double dragon, let's do it. And you get to a point where suddenly I was just like, man, there's really only so much you can do with two buttons. Hey, yeah, (laughs) because suddenly it's like, yeah, all I can do is I can punch, I can jump, I can jump and kick, I can press them both at the same time and he'll do something else. And that's, that's pretty much as far as this goes. Like there's not, and, and it really kind of got stale very quickly. Right. So it's like little things that are actually quite big things, like adding more buttons on a gamepad suddenly opened up all of these new things to do. But also in terms of the actual technology, as far as like the actual, like, uh, the hardware and like improving like the graphics and stuff, it, it allowed something like you know, call of duty, um, to happen. Like, because there's a certain degree at which it was very dependent upon the technology in order for it to have the effect that it did. There is no way they could have created that experience on something that was uh, from the previous generation. No, you know, they, they were doing pretty good, but they were able to take it to a whole nother level of immersiveness, uh, a whole new cinematic kind of level. And, you know, they, where they could really just but it was all, it wasn't just that there, that was a big part of it, but they were also able to really take you on a ride Mm. with it. Like they told this story, but they really took you on a ride from start to finish Yeah, in that whole thing, the way everything was paced, the way everything flowed, the way everything moved. And I think that this is where game designers become like artists is because they really are so thoughtful and about how is this all going to be for the player? How are they going to move through this? What's this going to, what is this going to, what, what's the response going to be like, you know? And, and it creates this sort of sense of being like this badass person or sometimes I, and I've played games where I've been given an experience of feeling very weak and that's part of the experience. Totally. Um, two games that come to mind with that are, um, eco, and, uh, or Ico, I don't know if, <laughs> however you necessarily pronounce it, but, and, uh, and another game called Limbo, which was like, it was a side scroller. Yeah. That, that was a great that side was scroller. Great. Because there was just like, you were this little kid. You don't really know much about what's going on. You're in this very dark and creepy world and you die so often in that game. There are little things that you can actually, we've got the garbage truck oh. doing its thing. Smashy, smashy, smashy. <laughs> we should, uh, we should bear that in mind sometimes. Oh my <laughs> it's like, god! Oh yeah, when is the garbage truck coming? <laughs> um, keep going. Yeah, we'll keep on rolling here. But it so limbo. <laughs> um, man, that was loud. Um but you're this little kid. It's this like black and white, um, creepy kind of world. And, but there are all of these things that will just kill you like that. Yeah. And so suddenly you're playing this game and and everything like you're 
paying so much attention because you are so vulnerable. Yeah. Something could happen within a moment that, or if you don't catch something as you're, as you're walking upon it, like you're, you're starting all over again. And, and with Ico, there was this thing that was interesting. That one was really kind of, so that was an, an extraordinary, extraordinary game for me still to this day. But I remember playing it at the time and having been like, there was nothing quite like it that I'd ever done because I mean, for one, it was gorgeous. In fact, it still is a gorgeous game to look at. Uh, but you're again, you're this small kid and through much of it, you're with this girl and you've got to hold her hand. Hmm. Like you've actually got to press a button to hold her hand. Cause you let it go and, and you let go over. And sometimes you got to leave her on her own for a bit so you can do something. But the thing is when you leave her alone, bad stuff can happen to her. Yeah. If like you leave her alone for too long. So it's just like, there's this sense of like, Oh my God. Like it was just like, you've got to, I've got to solve this thing so I can get back to her or I've got to like bring her along with me. And it was, it, it created this whole other, other, other feeling and emotion in, in the playing of it, you know, as opposed to just being a crazy badass, which mm-hmm. has its place in video games. Like absolutely. But I think sometimes it can get stuck there where it's like games are so much about making you feel like a badass these days. Yeah. You know, it's funny cause modern warfare actually did that too. I don't know if you remember at the end where you're like, bar- like you're badass, but you're barely hanging in there, you mm. know, to like, to fight that, the final dude and shit. Um, but, uh, also actually the new battlefield one is really interesting because if anybody wants to jump into battlefield one, first person online, you're going to, you're just going to get owned at first. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, you'll put up maybe a little bit of fight. If you don't have any first person like experience, you're going to have a lot of trouble. These guys are really good. They practice all the time and they play all the time. Right. But the way they started battlefield one, I thought was really great they start you on a, on a war field, right? And you just keep playing different soldiers on this field and they keep getting killed. So you just, you keep dying. Like you can't get around it. You're just right. eventually going to run out of ammo and you're going to die. Cause you're just going to get overwhelmed by an attack that's happening in your right. area. And I, th- I love the way they started this because what it does is it prepares you for the fact that it's normal to die a lot in the game that you are in war. And that if, you know, if anybody was in a situation like this, the chances of you surviving like tanks and gunfire and all this stuff coming on is very unlikely. Yeah. You know, as opposed to, you know, and so I think, you know, the average player is probably going to have, um, a ratio of like, maybe they, maybe they kill one player and they die once. So it's like a one to one ratio on like average. And actually that might even be, if you're good, you yeah. might actually die more than you even get a kill. And so that can be really hard for people to kind of enter this game online. Mm-hmm. If you have no first world experience or first person game experience. So I thought it was really great the way they started it. Cause they gave you an experience of what the game's going to be like. And like to kind of prepare you for the, this is normal. Like you're going to be in a war zone and there's snipers out there. There's tanks. They're dropping mortars on you. You know, there's other people running around trying to shoot you too. I mean, it's chaos and there's smoke and, and like, um, you know, so like I've been playing this game a little bit. I kind of invested in playing it a little over the weekend with some friends doing the online thing. And, um, 
it's so crazy the way they've taken the game now too, because you know, I remember one of, I think it was one of the battlefields. What ended up happening was they started creating that buildings could be destroyed, right? So you could destroy buildings a little, but they've just taken that way further. Now buildings can just be demolished by certain guns. So there'll be nothing left. Yeah. Walls and all of this. And also now when mortars are dropped, they'll leave a hole. And if a mortar gets dropped in the same spot, it'll leave a deeper hole. Yeah. So there's parts where I'm playing this game. It's so crazy. I'm like trying to um, protect a flag. It's like an area you kind of try yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm hiding in a mortar and uh, in a mortar hole and they can't see me. Gunfire is flying over my head from, I don't know which side I'm like in the middle of a mortar and you're in the mortar and like there's mud on your gun and your clothes cause you're in mud. So it like yeah. actually attaches to your body as you're playing. And like, you know, there's, there's smoke and there's gas and there's all this stuff. And so you're, you know, it's so intense, this game, like I I would say anybody should just try it just so you can experience it because, um, as amazing as it is to play in a game, there's always this part of me that's like, I would never want to be in this situation in a war. This would be horrible. It would be so fucking scary because like in a video game, your guy dies and then you start a new dude, right? But in life, you're just dead, you know? So, um, but these video games give you a a, a tremendous experience sometimes of stuff that, you know, you, you would never experience. Now, I I don't know. I think some people glorify this stuff and they kind of, they like think it's so cool and stuff. But I mean, if you really tried it on in reality, I think, um, I don't know. It's amazing. All I'm thinking about is playing when I'm playing battlefield one right now, is when they make this into t- full VR and your body is like interacting with it, if they ever get to that point, which they probably will, or it's holographic, whatever type of technology, it's going to be so intense because there's points where someone will come and they'll sneak up on you and they'll grab you and like stab you with a bayonet or something. Yeah. And it's, you don't feel anything obviously, but it feels real because the, the way they've done it is just, it's not like, even when you run, there's like a, a weight to your running, like your gun moves in a certain way. Your, your body shakes. If you're crawling, you know, you, you, you're, you're, they move, you know, first person move like you're crawling. So you really feel like you're in it. And if you look at like early first person shooters, you know, nothing ever happened to the environment. The environment always stayed the same. And when you moved, it was kind of floaty. Like you kind of almost felt like you were floating on a cloud as you moved through. Yeah. But now when you, when you run or you do something, your body moves, your, everything moves. And all this stuff can throw off your aim and do all sorts of things. So it's, they're getting really advanced, which is my point, you know? And, um, I think, you know, speaking up on your weakness thing is like the games are getting, um, it's really interesting because there's moments where you're like, like, I don't know if you remember playing like some of those early action games where there's like 20 guys around you and you just kill them all and you walk away like unscathed. Well, in this, if three guys surround you, it's a big deal. You know, like you don't know how you're going to get out of it. Like even if it's two guys, two to one, you know, you feel the effect. So if it's like, sometimes, and this will literally happen, there'll be six or seven guys who come into an area and it's just you. And, you know, so the whole thing of heroics kind of just kind of, you know, a hero becomes a new thing. It doesn't become James Bond shooting everybody and like killing everyone. Yeah. Maybe for the odd extreme player. Yeah. But for most of us, it comes down to like, I'm just going to try and survive until some of my other teams can come in here and back me up. And like, I'm hanging out in a mortar and they don't know where I am. 
And meanwhile, I just don't want them to know I'm here. But once someone else starts shooting them from somewhere else, I'll pop up and maybe I can take out a guy or two and together. Yeah. So it's very like, and there's 64 players playing, right? It's like a a lot of people. It's a lot of people, a lot of free minds interacting together in this game. Yeah. I don't know. So, I mean, you know, I think, I think sometimes like, I, I I just think about the judgment sometimes of like the older generation around video games, Yeah. how they think of it as a waste of time. But I think video games are becoming a part of our culture, whether we like it or not. I don't think they're becoming a part of our culture. They are a part of our culture and they have been for a long time. They're, They're still shaking off some of the stigma. It's not like what it used to be. Right. But, um, they're, they definitely still carry, I think, a a certain stigma around them. Yeah. Yeah. They're not like as sort of, uh, accepted as something like movies or television, right? Right. Like where it's just like, Oh yeah, you watch movies or TV. They're still just like, Oh, you play video games. Like that happens every now and then, you know, like you have a conversation. It's like, Oh, I didn't know you played video games. It's like, it's a thing. You know, like it's, oh, it's a thing. It's like, you wouldn't say that about I me mean, like, oh, you watch movies? Yeah. You watch movies? That's... Well, you know, and cool. now like... What kind of movies do you... <laughs> also like, um, like, uh, you know, women, girls are getting more into video games more than ever now. I think women make up actually 40% of the video game market yeah. now. And it's a growing part of the market. And it's interesting, like playing some of these games because, you know, um, and, and I think that it used to be... Um, and I mean, maybe newer, younger people don't really know this cause it's normal cause they grew up with it. But it used to be that if you played video games, it was a little bit like nerdy. It was, it was to some people, it was even like dungeons and dragons kind of nerdy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Oh, you, you, you're like a nerd, you play games or whatever. But like now if you don't play games, it's like, what's wrong with you? Like where, where, where do you live? Like you yeah. know, in a barn, you know what I mean? Cause like video games have become, and I think they're continuing you said something really interesting several weeks back and I was playing GTA five, Grand Theft Auto five. Yeah. And I was showing you how you can drive around in cars, grab a boat, fly, fly a plane or a helicopter. You can play tennis and you can, you know, in the game, you can play an arcade game or play pool. You know, you can drink, get high, whatever. You can go to a strip club. Yeah. You can do like, all yeah, this stuff. All- and, you, and you said, you know, pretty soon there's going to be just one game. <laughs> and I thought that was like an interesting comment because that game is like one of those games where you could just have that game and you could just play that game and you would have pretty much enough to do because you can go race cars, steal cars, do whatever you want to do in this, yeah. in this whole big, amazing sandbox of a world. And this, which blows me away about that is that it's so incredible right now at GTA five at this point, what it's going to be at GTA six and seven and so on, like where it's going to yeah. be is mind boggling to me because like how much bigger and how much more detailed and how many more elements they're going to add and figure out. And like, I really feel like right now is just the tip of the iceberg because once they launched this thing online, they just opened up like, you know, this new world. And now it's like, they're just beginning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think for me, so much of what's going on and what you were talking about with, um, it's going to be playing, uh, battlefield. It's, it's, immersion. It's so much of it is creating a new sense of, of immersion for the, for the person who's taking it in. Um, because it's like, I, I, and I, and I see like they do these little things like within video games that like someone, someone did it once, like for the first time they, they incorporated certain elements and then suddenly it becomes the new status quo. Mm. Right. And so many of these things are 
that they incorporate are like, yeah, like creating more realistic visuals. That's a big part of it, but there's little art sort of choices that go, that go into it. Uh, like, I don't even remember what some of the first games were that did it, but it's just like, you know, if you got hit or something, it's just like you're, or you got knocked down, you're like the vision becomes like the screen, it becomes blurry and like, it becomes harder to do certain things. Your movement is impaired. Like there's just, uh, and like, and little things as well. Like you were talking about with for like the, the, the very first first person shooters and stuff like Wolfenstein and doom and, and those ones where it's just like, you were just kind of floating around and you just sort of point and point and shoot and whatever. And now it's just like, there's a certain sense of weight. Like you're running around in this environment and whoever this person is that you are in this game, you get a sense of them in almost like a slight sense of them in a physical space. Hmm. You know, it's like they move slower going up the hill. They're like, they're, I don't even like, that's the thing. So like, I don't even necessarily know how they do it. Like they do like a lot of it's tricks with how the camera works, you know, like, and how they display it, how they display it to you and, and how your movement is. But like, you really get a sense of, wow, like I have weight. I have like a physical being in, in this environment. Right. Yeah. Like it's just, it becomes, it becomes a little bit more lifelike and a little bit more lifelike. That's scary to some people, especially when, when you think like, well, how far are we going to, to take this? How far will, will that go? How much immersion do we actually want at a certain point? I think it's only scary to us because, you know, to, to, to where we're at right now to think about those questions because, um, it's all, it's all new. Like it's, it's not, um, it's not totally normalized yet. Mm -hmm. You know, like I think about now, like I look at the cell phone. I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know anybody who doesn't really have a cell phone. I mean, everybody has a cell phone and cell phones have just become this thing that you just have, you know? And you know, and the other thing too, is like, who doesn't also have their own personal computer? And, and pretty soon, you know, these, these, um, like iPads and these screens, these screen books, you know, your Kindle, stuff like this, digital, your digital workbook thing. I mean, that's becoming a norm now, right? So eventually what ends up happening, I think is there's, it, there's this like, um, early adopters, take something on. It's weird at first, eventually it becomes mainstream. And then eventually whatever that technology is, it's like the late, you know, the late adopters or whatever they're called, they finally start taking it on. And by the time they've taken it on, we're already onto the next technology moving forward. And I think like video games right now are in this place of we're only beginning to go from early adopters to mainstream. We're not fully mainstream yet, Mm -hmm. but we're getting into mainstream. And then pretty soon it's going to be fully mainstream. And then we're going to be kind of into the late adopters where it's pretty much everybody's playing video games in some way or another. Yeah. And then it's going to be this new thing. And I think like VR is one of those early adoption things that's going on right now. And there's some new technologies that are coming out, which are really incredible to me where you can be wearing glasses and you can be in an environment and the environment can be created in the environment you're in. So you can alter the environment you're in. With oh stuff. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and, uh, 
and people don't know about this, but not everybody. I mean, cause this is a relatively new thing, but some of the, there's a place in the States and there's probably more of them now, but they have a whole big warehouse. And what they did is they designed a VR game where you can walk through the VR game and they built the walls for the VR game. So when you're walking through it, if you see a wall in the game, they built the wall just like it is in the game. So mm-hmm. as you're walking through it, you'll touch the wall and it will be like a wall in the game, but they built it inside the warehouse. So you can interact in this game. Like you're literally walking through it, but you have a VR machine. And yeah. so what they'll do is they'll have maybe someone, um, or something that will blow wind at you or do something so that when something happens in this VR thing, you also feel it on your body. Yeah. And apparently it's just really incredible thing. Totally new, like totally barely tested, but what's really interesting about what they've done is that theme parks may eventually become something where you wear a VR machine, you're inside of a warehouse and they manufacture the movements that are going in the VR. Cause you could do much more incredible things. Hmm. You could feel skydiving like you're really skydiving, but in like a VR machine and you're not at the risk of actually skydiving anymore, which is really incredible. So you could like, so if something does go wrong, you're, you know, worst case, you get a bump or a bruise or twist your ankle, but, but you're not going to die. You know what I mean? So we could have experiences of stuff in a VR situation that were, were previously, we had to risk our lives. Now some people go, Oh no, well, it's not the same. It is the same because if your body experiences it, your mind experiences it that way, it doesn't matter, which is really kind of neat. It's, and the, the only thing that's interesting to me about it is that it's like, there is still, there, there's still a part of you that knows it's not real. Like as real as it feels, and, and, and don't get me wrong. Like it can feel <laughs> super real. I, I've already had an experience with like a VR where I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm good. Like I, I don't need to do this. Well, think back to your <laughs> Alan was... Watts thing. Alan Watts talks about being on the theater on the stage yeah. and the players play and the audience plays. And, and at a certain and taken point, in completely. you forget you're in a theater. You yeah. forget you're watching a play. VR is the same way. Yes. At first you will think you will know you're in VR, but there is a certain point where you will not remember anymore. You're in VR. Yeah. And so that's when things get really interesting. So yeah, you're right from the short term, I'm putting on a VR machine. I know I'm in it, but eventually you get immersed. Like I'm playing a video game right now. I'm not even a VR. And at a certain point I play the video game long enough. I start to become kind of one with the game. And the thing with VR though, is that there's less interruption breaks in reality. So it's, it's even easier to fall into the whole experience. Oh, absolutely. And I think that there is something very important that, I mean, that can be used in all sorts of extraordinary ways. It can be, be used to, to help people overcome fears and phobias and stuff in the real world. And so, you know, it's, this might be an entirely different conversation, but I, I think that it's, it has some interesting, because it's so, so much in its infancy. Yeah. Um, because I feel like right now, because it's like VR virtual reality, um, when it comes to video games, stuff is, has to be made specifically for that in order for it to work. That's just yeah, what the technology is. Early stage, I, yeah. I, I, I would wager a guess that like down the road, it'll be because I don't know if there will ever not be a market for somebody to be able to just sit in front of a screen or if that's just like a projection of some kind without having to put on like a virtual reality set 
and play a game, right? If you want it to be a bit more casual, but virtual reality, like, I, I feel like it will be one of those things. It's like you have an option. It's like not one, th- it's not necessarily specifically f- virtual reality. Like y- you can have both experiences from the same, from the same game, mm-hmm. no, depending on what you want, because the technology will just go there. It'll just allow them. So it's like, you want to turn on virtual reality, play it in yeah. virtual reality, or do you just want to play it on your screen? Right? Yeah. I don't think one's going to cancel. Either. No, one's not going to cancel. But what to me, what I think makes is very interesting about that is with with like the, a deeper level of immersion, a more lifelike experience that can fool us more and more and more and more there, there brings up certain questions and kind of like problems, but exciting problems for developers because Mm -hmm. it's like, well, what do we need to see? How far do we need to go? If we're taking people through something that is so real what do we want to take them through? Hmm. What, and, and by doing so, what do we want to say with this? Like, it, I think that it's going to create an entirely new challenge, um, and an, a new challenge, but yet a new opportunity for people who make video games to, uh, to speak to us in, in, in a new way to offer us new experiences that can be quite profound but with that, like, it's a very powerful thing. So it's like, it's one of those, we're so on the cusp of it that it's, it's hard to know, but what's that like taking this experience that you're having with, with battlefield and how realistic that already is. Now you take that now into a number of years down the road and things have become so realistic, so involved in, in, now a virtual reality setting and you are in a war zone and people are dying and people are trying to kill you. I don't know what that's going to do to people. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's like, it's one of those things where you're like, you're curious to venture into it. But at the same time you go, I don't know if that's something I need to do either. Right but there could be there, but it's like this flip. It's like, wow, you can give people a powerful experience of something to give people an idea of what something was actually like. But then at the same time, you know, but like how much do somebody really need to know to get the point? Yeah. (laughs) That's a good point you raise. Well, you know, the movie, uh, the movie train spotting or what's that other one? Uh, Requiem for a dream. Mm -hmm. Those give you a really like, disgusting experience of drugs. And if you watch them may make you think twice about ever wanting to do drugs in your life ever. Um, and so I think video games could be a learning tool in the future, not just an entertainment tool. I mean, they, they, they already are, are already are. Yeah. Used as learning I tools. mean, with yeah. surgeons now are doing VR surgeons. surgeries and in the military. Yeah. All sorts of stuff. Right. And drivers and, and, uh, um, pilots and yeah. like, all kinds of stuff. Like I that. mean, it's one of the best ways to learn how to fly a plane, learn on VR, learn on, or learn on, uh, you know, uh, a simulation simulation, right? Which is like a game. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a more sophisticated word for a game. Well, and so it's, it's an interesting thing you bring up because I think what will happen is the technology is going to, we're not going to stop the technology. Technology is going to go, but what 
I mean, the only way the technology is going to stop is if there's something like some kind of devastating thing that happens to humanity. But the the, the technology is going to keep going. I think what's going to happen though is entertainment and um, impact and educational content is going to start to have new strands because yeah. you might be playing uh, a game and you might, you know, people might not enjoy it as much if it's too visceral. So there'll be a certain part of it that becomes less so or something. Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, I guess with technology, the biggest concern that, that is really with technology is the ethical, moral ethical concerns of like, well, if we can create the thing, you know, that's great. And like, but do we have the ethics and the morals to even deal with the fact that we've created it now? Yeah. Because I mean, that's a whole nother talk. Yeah. But, Cause know. there's an element where I go, it's like, you could traumatize people sure. potentially yeah. with this, right? Like, so or desensitize people or desensitize, to a point that yeah. actually causes them harm in their, in their life or others lives. Because you know, you get so desensitized from stuff that then where do you go after that? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, I think it, I think it is a very like touchy subject. And I think you're bringing up like a, a, a really good point, but it's the experience that you're pointing to. Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I'm going to maybe just like bring this back yeah. like <laughs> a little bit, but that was a fun little rabbit hole. We went down yeah, it was a little crazy corner. Um, why don't you talk about this beer? Yeah, for sure. A second here. All right. Cause I'm getting low on it. It's yeah. tasty, man. This is a nice, uh, fruity summer beer. It's a red thing. I'm guessing it's, um, I'm not going to say it's sour, but it's like a fruit beer or something like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know much about the fruit beers. I just know it's a fruit beer and I'm guessing I'm, I'm going to say that maybe it's a, well, maybe it's not, I don't know. It seems like maybe it's a brass neck and it maybe is hibiscus. Oh, I can see that. Or maybe it's, um, it's kind of got like a cherry or a raspberry or something like that. Anyway, that's, that's kind of where I'm, where I'm seeing, I'm feeling it. So it's really good. I really yeah. like it. And, um, I actually kind of hoped you brought more. Uh, oh yeah. There's more here. <laughs> okay, good. There's more here. This is, um, from Phillips oh, raspberry, okay. Phillips raspberry weed ale, ah. uh, summertime. So this is, uh, this is one of their seasonals. I thought, why not? Hmm. Look at those ingredients, water, barley, wheat, hops, yeast, raspberries. That's it. I was like going to say maybe wheat, but the thing is, is it wasn't very foggy. So it was like, cause it kind of tastes like a wheat beer, but the, it's very clear for a wheat beer. There you, are. you can hang on to that. Sure. It's, want, um, some more of this. I got my own. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a really tasty, tasty beer. Easy to drink. The raspberry's definitely there, but it's not, it's not too strong. That's, That's my it, only thing with fruit beer sometimes yeah. is when it becomes like, this isn't beer anymore. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't taste like it doesn't resemble beer other than the sense that it's kind of bubbly. Yeah. Right. But otherwise it tastes more like a cider or a, no, this is good. They, it's tame on the fruit. I mean, it's, it's enough to really make it tasty and enjoyable, but it's not overwhelming. So they found a good balance in my yeah. opinion. And it's, it's, um, it's a beer that's a little bit to me, like, um, like I feel like I could actually probably drink a lot of it, but it's kind of a treat to me. Yeah. You know? Cause, uh, 
I, just because of the sweetness and kind of it's, it's, it's nice. I mean, I think it's a, it's one of those beers where it's, it's so tasty. It's almost like if you didn't really like beer, this might be a good way for you to enter into beer. Ah, uh, you yeah. know, like, uh, if you really just like, you know, hadn't acquired a taste for it, you might like try this and be like, okay, like I'm warming up to the idea. Yeah. Because it's still, it still has like a, there's still a taste permeating through it of a beer mm-hmm. that's going there. But it, yeah, it's got that nice, nice fruity, juicy <laughs> kind of thing with it. So it's really good. So with the video game thing here, we've been talking about, we've gone from simplicity to the extremes of where this could go. We've talked about the, ex, you know, that a little bit. Um, you know, I remember when I was a kid and uh, like I was, my brothers had, uh, they had the Sega Genesis, my brother Dustin had the Sega Genesis and, um, he would play the football on, on that. Right. And I, I was a little kid. I mean, I, I feel like I was only like maybe five or six years old, maybe, you know? And so I didn't understand football or anything like that. Maybe, you know, seven, I remember him, he taught me how to play football through this video game he showed me what the quarterback was and how you could run the ball and how you could throw it. And, and it was a lot of fun. And I remember he got me to like pick a team. He's like, what's your favorite team? He's like, just pick a symbol that you like here. And I picked Miami dolphins. I don't know. I like the dolphin. And (laughs) And so then I kind of like would play as the Miami dolphins and kind of whatever, but it was really neat because video games taught me about most of the rules about football. Mm. And then like later, you know, playing other more advanced football games down the road. And I, what was really funny is I remember I was playing the old Sega Genesis football game and I was playing it and playing it, playing it. And I had this season going or something. And my brother, he's like watching me playing. He's like, why do you keep playing this? He's like, there's so many better football games. I'm like, I don't know. I like it. I liked the simplicity of it. Yeah. Cause it was just really like, you know, really uncomplicated, you know, run the ball, throw the ball. Um, or figure out what defense you would do to kind of block them from making their attack. And, um, you know, it was a lot of fun, but I think sometimes when you're younger, the simpler games are much better because, you know, when they started adding more buttons later, things start to become pretty complicated. I don't know if you've recently ever played like say NHL 17 or like these no, NHLs. No, you know what? I haven't played any of those okay. other ones. But. Well, I used to be really good at the NHL games, but then they started adding the stick, you know, the yeah, stick yeah. movement with the, with the little uh, joystick. And so you can do amazing moves with the stick and skate and it's, yeah. it's incredible. Like, but the thing is, is if you don't practice and you don't figure out how to do it, like, you know, you, you you're just, not going to have a good time. <laughs> well, you have a good time, but you, you, you can't get all that's out of the game. And so there's this constant feeling when you're beginning of missing out. Same mm. with the soccer, you know, you can do all this footwork with the other controller. If you know the directions to push it, it's kind of like, remember those old fighting games that you had to have like direction, direction, yeah. uh, A, A, B, B or something. And you could do a really cool thing. Well, the, the hockey and the soccer are a little bit like that. You know, you start to figure out the directions of these pads yeah. and you got to do it in the game on the move. Yeah. And so if you, you don't know. know what the move is. It's kind of like, okay, I'll randomly throw the stick around, see if I can pull something yeah. off, but you don't know what you did. Totally. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it is like, there's things that like force you into like doing something like games or can often, you know, in many ways they're all just in, as far as like pure, like being able to control it and like have a handle on it. Like 
I, man, I don't necessarily envy people who, who are just maybe like later in, not like late in life, but you know, later in their lives, never really played video games. My fiance has never really played video games and she has such a hard time with it. And I'm like, I don't necessarily falter for that because it's like when I started out, you know, like I, I was sort of like graduated into it. Yeah. Like I started out with two buttons. It moved up to four main ones, but six ones on the super Nintendo. Right. And then it, it slowly like incrementally moved up. And now it's just like my fiance who's never really played. She's just looking at this controller with two sticks and a directional pad and a bunch of buttons on the face. And there's a touch pad on it as well that you can also press. And there's buttons on the back. It's like, what, what the hell do I even do with this shit? Like that's super intimidating. You know, it is like almost like picking up an, uh, an instrument. It is. Um, and you know, we forget that, right? Like, cause you know, I'm playing this thing and I'm like, I'm really good. Like with the PlayStation controller, for example, but sometimes I'll pick up say an Xbox controller, relatively similar, different buttons. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, I have to learn a new instrument a little bit. I yeah. mean, I have the, the, the hand movements to be good yeah. with the controller, but it's like, where, where the hell, what this is. And also with certain things you recognize there's a there's usually a common placing for, okay, this button usually does something like this, or this button is usually what this does. Right. So you start to figure some of those things out. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. You almost like for someone who's just beginning, you would almost have to start them off on like one of those like indie games. It's really simple. You know, it's like, there's not a lot of buttons to it. It's like, yeah, there's all these buttons on the controller, but you only have to use three of them Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Right. And then work up, work up, work up. Um, but you know, all those buttons are so great because they open up all these new opportunities. But one of the things that has been, was sort of an interesting evolution and experience of games for me as well is, uh, has been games getting more intuitive, more like understanding. It's almost like they've got like the gameplay has an intelligence about it Mm. that they've designed to kind of know what you're trying to do or what you want to do. Um, because I found that there was like certain games used to irritate me because in order to perform some kind of action or maneuver within the, it was like, it was just like a, a, you had to combine all of these button presses. It's like, you've got to hold down this button and then press this one. And there was all these combinations of button presses that you had to do. Right. You're like, I can't remember all of this shit. Like I'm already using all of the the fucking buttons on this thing. Yeah. Right. Like every single one individually. And now I've got to like combine all these other ones. It's just like, there's so many things. And now I'm finding that designers are starting to like strip it back and let the game kind of like actually know what you're trying to do Mm. and be like, okay, so now we've just removed a press or a couple of presses that the player has to do and we just do it for them. Right. Right. And that's kind of an interesting thing because, you know, for some people who are quote unquote purists, they'd be like, no, I want to just be able to do it on my own and blah, 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 blah. I should be able to just press it. But for myself, like, and especially, I guess it's all in context of what's being of, of the game that was made. But those little sort of in intelligences that, that they've designed into it allow me to focus more on the things that are important. 
and focus on the things that I want to be focused on. Right. Like I don't have to be thinking about what I have to press anymore. Yeah. Right. I have to think about how I'm timing this, how I'm, you know, like, like you, you think more about the deeper dynamics of, of what's going on as opposed to like, uh, you know, some of the games that I think were, were great for doing that was the first Assassin's Creed. And then beyond that, to another extent, I would say like the, um, the Batman Arkham games as well, because it used to be that like a lot of those, uh, like third person action games, they start to like almost incorporate fighting game elements into them where it's just like, you press this button to do this and you press that button to do that and blah, blah, blah. And now you've got all these like combinations like Mm. that you have to memorize. Yeah. And I've never liked having to do that kind of shit. I was just like, I just want to not think about what I have to press. I just want to be able to respond and react. Right. And, and be able to just play it that way more intuitively. Yeah. And I found that they'd start to go in that direction where it's just like, Oh my God, you got all these button combinations. And then with like Assassin's Creed, suddenly they'd stripped some things back on it. And it was just like, okay, this is your attack button. And then this is your counter button. And then this, but like they found all of these ways, it was the way that you worked all of those systems into it that suddenly creates this big flowing dynamic experience. And then the same thing with the Batman games, it was like, there's not a a bunch of buttons necessarily that you have to learn in order to like go in and Batman and kick the shit out of a bunch of dudes. Right. It's actually the, the, the core mechanics of it are so simple. Like they're extraordinarily simple, but it's how you all decide to put them together and how you use them to respond to what's going on. Mm. And I'm like, that is just so like, it, it, it allows me then to just kind of play the game a little bit more to actually enjoy the experience, enjoy the world, enjoy the environment and this sort of thing that I've been pulled into as opposed to being, um, distracted by technical aspects of the game. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting too, cause like, uh, video games are in categories, right? Like people, um, some people like strategy games, action games, fighting games, sports games, whatever. Right. So there's all these different types of games too. And so there's different types of gamers who want different experiences. And I think when you're playing something like a Batman type of game, you want to come in there like a badass and kick everyone's ass. And like, that's what Batman yeah. does. I mean, that's the experience you're, you're getting. Right. And then I think, um, you know, so they need to make it so that you can walk in and, and be that badass. And maybe if you know more buttons, you can be more of a badass, but you still need to be able to be a badass on a basic level. Otherwise the, yeah. the point of entry is too high. Absolutely. You know? And then I think like, um, just as like a quick little thing. And it it was funny too, because the, I think it was Arkham Asylum was the first kind of Batman of the recent iterations of them that came out that blew people's minds. Mm. And one of the most common things that was said about it for people that was just like a breath of fresh air was like, this is the first game where I felt like Batman. Mm. Like it was an experience, right? It's just like, Oh my God, I finally feel like Batman. <laughs> That's right. right? Yeah. Like it wasn't like, Oh yeah. Like no, people didn't talk about the technical aspects of it and blah, blah, blah. It was just like, Oh my God, that first time I like glided down into like the middle of a bunch of dudes 
and just like beat the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> was amazing because I felt like Batman. Totally. Well, in the Batman vs Superman movie, when Batman has that big fight scene, like 70, 80 minutes into it, everybody's like, it's just like the video game. And I think they modeled yeah. it after that. Cause that was the most, like he just comes in and just kicks everyone's ass. And that felt like the way the video game felt like, Yeah, you know, and, and what's cool about the video game is like you get to see it in a movie, but in the video game, you also get to feel like you did that, you know, which is, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, a couple of big games that were big for me, um, were the original resident evil and metal mm. gear solid yeah. and resident evil resident, was so interesting yeah. because resident evil, like a lot of games, um, you would naturally just go behind the character and see what the character sees. But in this game, they made forced camera angles. So you'd walk into a room and it would be looking at you and what you couldn't tell, but you could hear like, you could hear munching or something and you knew there were zombies ahead of you yeah. or something bad ahead of you, but you couldn't see what it was and there's no way to turn the camera around. And this was so good for a suspense horror because yeah. you had to walk in not knowing what you were getting into. And, um, that was brilliant. Like, I mean, one of the reasons why I think Resident Evil is, um, such a big franchise is because they gave you such an experience and because they did the forced camera angles, they were able to give you views of the room, which were very aesthetic views of your character, which are very aesthetic and made it look really pretty too. Yeah. Plus give you the experience. And I think in, um, you know, Resident Evil franchise has changed and evolved a little bit since I think their new VR thing is, is a pretty cool way for them to go. Cause they've gone back to more of the experiential scary, Yeah. but it went down the road of the action kind of action horror. And I think that was fun. Some people really liked that. Like my brother kind of prefers the action horror version. I prefer the suspense thriller horror version, Right. but they're both different types of ways to play the game. Yeah. It's interesting how that happened. And then, um, metal gear, metal gear. I mean, metal gear is in everything we see today. That's third person. Like that game, basically everything you see in a third person today was pretty much birth of Metal Gear because yeah. Metal Gear had these epically long cut scenes, the games that were game cinematic movie character driven yeah. story, you know, plot driven a little bit, you know, it had, and it was corny in certain ways, but it was really involving. And the other thing too, is you and would the boss fights. Yeah. The boss fights but you'd walk and you'd have to sneak in and that whole stealth element and hiding behind corners and you could see down the lane yeah. you know, and you're hiding. And there was one thing about that game that was really interesting. What's that? Um, that was like, I'd never s- experienced anything like that before. And you can't even necessarily do it anymore just because of the way that games are. But do you remember in Metal Gear Solid when you fought, um, Psycho Mantis? Oh Yeah. And they made you switch. And you had to switch the controller. Like you actually had to get up and like switch the controller port that you were plugged into. That was so great to find out. It's just like, that was, that was like maybe a little bit gimmicky, but it kind of works as far as like who the character was and what was going on. And it totally like, it was like a mind blowing thing as like, I have to do what now? Like, it kind of just brought you into the game a little bit, yeah. like closer to home where it's like, I have to interact with a game in a way that I've never had to do to do before. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. That was I such played, a Metal awesome Gear Solid. Game. Yeah. I played that game. That was a mind blower for me. 
As, one thing yeah. I really liked about that game too was that you know you could play it the first time you played it through and you'd play it how you played it yeah. but then it gave you a rating and you could find out okay well if I play this game and I never get found once you get a better rating or if you don't kill anybody or you whatever so you go through this um game and you could experience it in different ways depending Try on playing how, it in a different way. Yeah, yeah. And so I got so good at that game. I played on the hardest difficulty and sneak through and not be seen at all. Like it, and it took skill. I had to learn how to like really, you know, but I love wow. the game. Yeah. And so I never attempted that stuff. Yeah. But. Um, number, uh, Metal Gear Solid two, I, I kind of was pretty crazy about. And, and also Metal Gear Solid three was one of my big favorites. Um, and just, you know, there's this part too, um, in Metal Gear three, which I really appreciated because I grew up with the Rambo movies. Yeah. And there's this moment where you grab this like kind of, uh, it's like, a, I think it's a Gatling gun or no, it's not a Gatling gun, but it's like a big, it's a sturdy gun and guys are just running in and you're just like, you're just like, oh, and yeah. he's just screaming. Like you can see his mouth open. He's like, ah, like this. Yeah. And he's just, you're just taking him out and you're just like behind this big gun. Yeah. And he's like shirtless and like muscles and shit or <laughs> yeah. whatever. I pretty, or well, I don't know, maybe, maybe I just added that in. But anyway, he, uh, you know, it felt like Rambo. I felt like it was in the movie Rambo, you know, like Rambo two or three or whatever that one yeah. was. And I mean, that was a big thing with, um, Hideo Kojima. He, you know, he wanted to give you experiences of certain things with these games. Yeah. And I feel like now, like other companies have kind of taken a run with a lot of what he built. Absolutely. But that established yeah. a lot of what games are today. And there are, yeah. and, and they change things in a new way because they've created, they created a, a type of experience, a new level of immersion for, for the player. And, and it pushes things along. It, it, it evolves it. And, um, another game I want to say as well, cause like you talked about some of these metal gear and, uh, <laughs> and, um, uh, what was the other game? Oh, Resident Evil. Ren Resident Evil from, from that era of games. I think of, um, Final Fantasy seven. That was another one for me. That was like, yeah, I mean, it was kind of like blocky and whatever, but it did two things for me. Like the expansiveness of that game was so far beyond anything that I'd ever witnessed at that point, because you're playing like, I don't know if you've ever played it before. Only a little bit. I played that. I watched my brother play through it. And I think then I played it like three times (laughs) and it's not a, and it's, you really like that. I loved that game. It was, it was masterful in so many ways, especially for its time. It still holds up. Right. Um, but there was, like, and it's like a 50 hour game. And that's kind of like a, like on the faster side of things, um, compared to now, right? Compared to now. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, it was, I remember first playing that game with my brother and it was like going through it and there was all of this, for one, it was very cinematic and there's these characters, there's all of these very unique characters and these stories that were going on. So maybe there's three things actually about it that changed a lot for me. Yeah. There was this incredible story that was unfolding in it. Right. And everybody had with personal journeys within that story that I cared about. And then there was how big the world was. Like you start off and you play for the first, I don't know. I, I can't remember quite what it is, but like you're, you're already like 
many hours into this game and you've been in this city for this whole time and, and you're just kind of like, oh, okay, so this game kind of takes place in this weird, this weird uh, dystopian kind of city. And then suddenly you're outside of the city after you've been playing the entire game in inside of it for hours and hours and hours and all of this shit has already happened and then you realize that you're a blip in the entire world (laughs) like you are one and that there's an entire world that is actually outside of it and I just went what is (laughs) happening like it just was mind-blowing and the other thing that it did was it killed an important character, a character that you spend time playing as for even a longer period of time. Like you're going and going like, like two thirds of the way in this person's been with you and they die. I just remember being stunned. Mm. Like there's no bringing them back. Like it's gone. It's they're They're gone. It's done. They're not coming back. Yeah. And it's just like, holy shit. Like I didn't know that could happen. Right. Right. Like, it was so that was, that was another, and it was for the industry. Like it was, it was another one of those like defining moments in the industry for video games for so many reasons. Well, that was part of the reason why that show lost was so famous, you know, so popular because anybody could die and you never knew who was going to die. And so because it was like, no one was coming back, you know, you really felt like you didn't want to miss an episode because like, what if like something major happened? Yeah. And like, I think, um, previous to lost. I mean, there was good television, but television kind of felt a little bit like you can miss it and you could come around and you'd still be okay. Yeah. But this felt like, you don't, everything mattered. Yeah. You lost know? was so good, yeah. man. No, but video games are huh. doing that now. Yeah. Video games are, are making it feel more like it matters as you go through mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and, and creators are being bolder with stuff. And I think, you know, it is, it's an experience, right? Yeah. Like, and especially like, you know, the getting attached to a character, like that's the other thing with the, with the video game, you're playing as the character, you get attached yeah. to the character that happened in uh, one of the metal gears. It really pissed me off about like what happens, you know, you're just like, what? I'm not the same character. I'm like, give me a break. You know what I mean? Are you talking about the, about the, the, the second one? Yeah. That was on PA. Yeah. You're playing as Raiden the whole yeah. time. And yeah. You're like, yeah. what the hell? You I want to play as this guy. I didn't want to play as Raiden. Um, although some people really like Raiden and you know, it's fine. But the yeah. thing is, is like that first part of uh, number two metal gear where you're playing in the tanker and you're, you know, solid snake character and all this. And it just was so good. And then that's how they marketed the whole thing. And then all of a sudden the game like took place over with Raiden over this other area. And you're like, when is, and I remember playing the second part and I was over at my friends in Hawaii out there and I'm playing and I'm like, I can't wait for this part to end so I can get back to play. And they were like, sorry, dude, you're not going back. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I don't get to <laughs> play a solid snake. Like, uh, are we kidding me? And the thing, the problem with that franchise was they built it on that character and it was too yeah. bold of a move. I think with maybe with the Final yeah. Fantasy, they switch like they kind of switch characters, don't you? Like, doesn't it? No, you're you're mostly one person throughout the entire the okay, entire but, way. D- but every like fantasy, Final Fantasy one, two, three, all the way up to seven and more, you're not the same person though. Every well, I mean, yeah, no, no, no yeah, you're not the same. Yeah, yeah, you switch, yeah, yeah. Right? Like from, so it's, it's a new world, yeah, it's a new, new world, story, new like yeah, yeah. But the thing is, with Metal Gear, 
you were Solid Snake and you became very like you were him. That that the franchise, I think they underestimated how much it was built on this one character. Because once that character went away, it really like they they were like, okay, we've made a mistake. We're going to go back. And so they went and they kind of did the big boss character and they kind of like, you know, they figured out that this character people don't want to let go of, you know? Yeah. And so I think, um, that's just one of those things like with the, with the game where you, you know, I think that's, that's an interesting thing about creation with story is that we do get attached to characters, but lost, for example, I think the reason why lost could kill off characters is you would get attached to people, but they would do a good job of getting you attached to enough other people that if someone you were attached to died, you still had someone else to attach to. Yeah. The problem with the Metal Gear 2 was you weren't attached to Raiden yet. So they were just like, okay, now just like him. And it's like, no, I don't like him. You haven't introduced him at all. You yeah. built any relationship with him. And now you're just telling me to be him with your same game dynamics. Yes. Yeah. I honestly... Most people I think, don't like I, think I played, I played that game through a couple of times as well. Yeah. I don't remember anything about that game. Yeah. I remember it was it on was that like oil. It was like more forgettable. Yeah. Ones. I remember yeah. it was on that oil tanker. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> and, and riding, and you're playing as riding that whole time. Well, don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, I played through it a couple of times myself cause I loved metal gear, but I was like, just like they better not mess it up for the third. And then the third was epic. Yeah. Snake eater. Right. But anyway, oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. whatever, regardless, um, the fact that I care so much is telling of how much these games actually have impacted yeah. my life, you know, and how, how involved I got into them. And I think like, I think sometimes, you know, I think when people are trying to be cool, they'll make fun of people who like get really passionate about something. Like maybe it's, video games, maybe it's a movie or a show, or maybe it's Dungeons and Dragons. But the thing is, is like, this is, we're finding out more and more that part of our culture is about getting passionate about something. And sometimes we have these weird little nerdy things or whatever. And it's, it's, it's actually more judgment on something. It's more cool. Now it's more like honest to be like, yeah, I love this thing. I love this stuff. And I think video games are kind of giving people avenues to really get involved and get passionate about a certain thing. Even, even like NHL hockey or NFL football, they get passionate about the next NFL that's going to come out or the next NHL that's going to come out. And it might not be character based, but they love those games. Same with the people who get involved with battlefield or modern warfare or something like that. And they, and they get passionate, Mm -hmm. like really passionate about those games. You know, I was, uh, before battlefield came out or whatever, I, um, I was just on like Facebook and I went to one of the live streams about like, this is the reveal and all of this stuff. And people were so passionate about it. Right. Yeah. Like, they just love this game. They love this franchise. And so, you know, in certain ways I go, well, I don't necessarily like, I've, I've really enjoyed the game. Don't get me wrong, but like they're passionate about that. And I think, you know, it's good to be passionate about something in life. And like, if it's a video game that gets you passionate, then great. But I'd, I'd rather someone who's passionate about something than someone who's like too cool for school on everything, you know? Yeah. 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 Just like apathetic and whatever. And yeah. just, yeah. What kind of life is that? You yeah. know, if, if you're just too cool for everything, you know, I mean, so I think video games are interesting because they've really given people a lot of, um, a chance to express themselves and experience life or experience something that they can care about, you know? Mm-hmm. Cause I think like real life, can be a little monotonous 
if we're not like, you know, if we're not passionate, well, if we're not passionate, I mean, not everybody gets to kind of like, you know, it's funny. They say like, when you're a kid, they tell you, you can be anything you want. And then as you become an adult, they say, you can't do that. It's impossible. Yeah. And so I think what happens is we get older. A lot of us are not doing what we really truly care and want to do. We kind of have fallen into a, a job or some type of career path or something. And the school system, you know, I'm going to harp on it for a second, does want that. It wants us to tailor us into something to get us to do this job. And then to just like kind of bear and grin it until we can retire and whatever. It's like doing that. So there is a certain point where people start to kill off their dreams. And like, if they're going to give you that trade in society, and they're going to say, you know what, I'm going to work this shitty job that I don't like, then give them something to be passionate about. And well, like, video games are a great avenue. Same with sports, same with all I, movies, whatever. I think that a lot of the education system is built on like, we can teach you how to, how to, how to be comfortable, mm-hmm. how to make things comfortable for yourself. Right. It's like, that's not living. No. <laughs> Like, don't get me wrong. It's nice to have some comforts. Nice to have a place to call home. It's nice to have a place to lay your head at night. Yeah. Those are great fucking things. But man, like just being, yeah, like, like that's the point. Like, yeah, like being comfortable is the point point. of life. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, be comfortable until the day you die. Yeah. And so I think like the thing is, is that we, you want enough comfort so you can express yourself and feel free so that you, you feel like your bases are taken care of, but you don't need much more comfort than that. After that, then you want to push yourself out of comfort zones, but we're taught basically just make your whole life really comfortable and really cool. Cause that's how social pressure works in school. Not necessarily the, yeah. you know, the, the teachers, but the, the, your peers teach you to be cool and your, and your teachers and mentors teach you to be comfortable. And if you live a life where you're cool and comfortable, you're probably very unhappy. I would be willing to bet so much money. If you think you're cool and comfortable, I bet you are so unhappy. And the thing is, is you might be able to mask it right now because maybe you're driving a nice car and you're maybe around, like you got a nice partner or something, but eventually that shit's going away and you're going to have to face yourself and you're and cool and comfortable do not hold up. No, it's passion and it's excitement and, and, and passion by the way is derivative from the word pain. Is it? Yeah. Which is the opposite of comfort. Passion in, it has a certain pain to it. If there is no pain, you can't really be passionate because like, think about lost people are passionate about that. There's yeah. a pain. You can lose characters. You can lose someone you love that creates passion because the, the threat matters. Yeah. The threat of some, not even it happening, but the threat that this, you know, and that, and, and the thing is, is what pain does is it creates gratitude. So comfort is only good when you have the juxtaposition of pain right there, even if you're not feeling the pain, you need to be like, the pain is right there. Not fear though. That's the, that's the confusion. People try to basically, they, they balance comfort and fear. Fear is the same as cool and, and, and comfort. It's just going to cause problems. Yeah. It's got to be actual pain. So you, 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 you know, you don't necessarily have to experience the pain, but you need to know the potential pain. So like, for Mm -hmm. example, let me just kind of take this a little further. If you know, if you love someone, if you have a friend and you know, they could die any minute and this might be the last day you ever see them and you can feel the pain of, of the next time I hear about them, they're dead. 
you can feel that pain, you'll be passionate about that friendship. But if you start fearing they may die, and you don't really necessarily feel the pain of them dying, but you just fear, oh, oh, what if they get hurt? That doesn't do it. So fear, fear is where people try to like, they try to use their fear. You shouldn't fear that your friend will die, but know that they could. And, and, and that creates gratitude. So it's the gratitude, you know, the, and so passions is interesting thing because we're not really taught that at a young age. So I think what happens is that's why arts and entertainment are so great because arts and entertainment have given people something to be passionate about that when you live a life, like even if you were say a, a peasant back in the day, you could appreciate something. You could appreciate the church. For example, it was a piece of art. It was something mm-hmm. to be passionate about. And there was, you know, I'm not maybe misguided, maybe whatever. But the thing is, is that we needed something to like, to make meaning out of our life and passion gives you meaning. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, so anyway, uh, I think, I think with video games, we're talking about this experiential thing. If you're not passionate about something, the experience is much less, um, intense. Yeah. You know, I think when you get really passionate and you really get like involved in this stuff, you start to experience what video games can be. And like, I think, like, I remember this one time I was playing through Resident Evil, right? And there's this, um, if you beat it in a certain amount of time or something, uh, or you beat it like in a certain way, you unlock something really cool. I don't remember what it was. Right. And I'm 80% of the way through the game. I've almost done it. I'm so close. I step outside for a moment to do something. And then I put the game on pause. My dad turns off the TV. I come back. I'm like, no, I'm just like, no, I spent like all afternoon doing this thing perfectly. And my dad's like, he's just like, grow up, like get, you know, get a life kind of thing. And caveat of the story, I actually did get it because he didn't turn it off properly because he didn't know what he was doing. So the game was still on. So I actually still got to finish it. But this moment of like, fuck, like all that work, but he couldn't even comprehend how much it mattered to me, how much I cared about it. And so like, I think it's funny though, because it's a video game, it's meaningless, but life is meaningless. Like none of this shit matters. It's if it's a video game or it's life or it's like you and your coffee, who gives a shit? You know what I'm saying? Like what, what like how do like it's values, yeah. right? And the thing is with video games is it's funny. It's like people say, well, it's virtual reality. It's like, yeah, it's virtual, but in some ways it's still real. Like it's still, there's, it can you know? still be, it's still a reflection of us to yeah. some extent. Like we wouldn't have created them if they weren't a reflection of us in some way, if they right. weren't some, yeah, yeah, they're still something that we've created and, and they represent us somehow. Mm-hmm. Right. And especially when they're at their best. It's interesting though. And you talk, because like, there's lots of, um, you know, like I'm not like a score hunter okay. type of gamer, you know, yeah. I never have been. Uh, so it's like, I always find that I get, I get very quickly tired of those types of games. It's like I'll get into it and I'll, She's like, okay, what is, how does the game play? What is it? What does it do? It's like, oh, okay, cool. I get it. And then I'm done. I'm done with it. Cause I'm like, I have no real desire to pursue the high scores or to like try and, you know, be like, get, get ranked up in like the top of, you know, <laughs> like the world, like, especially now online. Right. You know, there's like all kinds of people playing it and you can, and you know, some people, they really, that gets them passionate. 
for me, it doesn't. Yeah. For me, it's just like, no, I'm interested in the experience that you're giving me in terms of the gameplay. Like, like I'm, there are other things that make me passionate about games, but it's not chasing scores necessarily (laughs) that I find to be so, I find that just to be so monotonous because I've done it before. Just be like, all right, I'm going to see if I can get like the high score and blah, blah, blah. And I've, you know, I've, I've gotten high scores and not gotten high scores and stuff, but it's just like, at the end of it, I'm just like, it's just not worth it for me. (laughs) Just like, it's not worth the frustration for me. I would rather, you know, experience something that's got like a really terrific story, Hmm. you know, that I just like, I love the gameplay of it. I love how, you know, you customize or you, or you do certain things in it. I'm like, I could do this for hours and 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 (laughs) and you go and go and go that's that, that that's always my thing with them but that's well teach yeah. their own right teach i mean there's no own. there's no wrong way to do gaming and like that's what they're doing now they're making games so you can play them any way you want you don't have to necessarily and there's something different for everybody yeah there's something for everybody it just depends on what you want i mean um you know i i think i i don't i wouldn't necessarily think of myself as a score hunter but there's certain games when i get passionate about that game i like I want to be excellent. Yeah. You know, I want to like, like Metal Gear Solid to me or Resident Evil were some of my favorite games. I wanted to, I wanted to beat it in the way that was like, if you could do this, you, you've, you've mastered this game, but I Mm -hmm. love the game so much that I wanted to master that game. Yeah. When I'm playing like a GTA online, for example, the score rating just goes up. Like I think it goes up right now to 1200. It might even go up further. Yeah. So to give you an idea, I'm like rated 177, right? Out of 1200. So it's a lot of growth still to do to get there. One of my friends is rated 700 something. And some people I've seen who are apparently like a thousand. Some people want to be the highest rated player in GTA. That's their goal. Yeah. I don't really care about that at all. My goal though, is I want to make enough money in the game so that I can buy all the cool shit you can get in the game so I can experience all the game has the offer. Right. But once I reach that point, I'm probably not going to want to grow anymore because I don't have any ego about like, I want to be higher rated than you. The rating naturally kind of comes as you play the game more. So, you know, so, so what's interesting though, is my, my friend Scott, like, you know, he's like, holy shit, you're rated so high. He's like, I want to get rated high. But I'm like, and, and I think what he likes though, is the fact that where I'm rated now, like once you get to a certain rating in this game, you can unlock pretty much all the cool stuff. Right. So he just wants to get to that point as well. But I think like, it's interesting the way they designed GTA because they made it for score hunters who want to take it beyond what the game even offers. Right. Like, do you want to take your score to a place where it's like, cause you see these guys who are rated like 700 or thousand. You're just like, that's kind of incredible. Yeah. Like that you, you know, and, um, like what you've done with the game or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but you know that they really love that game and that's their game. Like one of my friends, he's rated 700 in the game. He's never even played the first person story. It <laughs> blows me away. I've beaten the first person story twice in that yeah. game, but he is only interested in the online elements of the game interesting. And the first person stories, like the first, uh, the story, one player story is so incredible yeah. that I can't believe he's played the game so much and has never played that part of it. Yeah. But some people just want to play a game for its online elements. 
And so, you know, there's no, there's no right or wrong way to do it. Yeah. For me, I would, for me, usually with a game, I'm more interested in playing the first person, like the first one player player, story, single player story than I am for the online. Yeah. And then once I do that, then I'll start venturing into online. Yeah. You know, but that's my playing style. But I think that's the cool thing about video games is they, they give you options. You can do it however you want to do it. Yeah. You know, and they're made for you. Yeah. You know, they're really, they really are. They're made for you more than almost, than almost anything else, you know, like really so much thought has been put into so many elements of it. Um, which makes it such a cool, cool medium. Here's something I think that's going to happen with these games like GTA and other open world games. Um, they're going to, they're going to create paths or over or avenues you can go. So like, for example, right now what they did with GTA is eventually if you play enough, you can have it all, but you can go down the path of being like a biker gang, you know, and own a, own a motorcycle shop and all of that and kind of do crime that way. Or you can go down the road of like being a CEO and like own a corporate company and like do crime that way. I think what, what might end up happening in the future is there'll be several avenues and eventually if you play the game long enough, you could take all avenues, but, but at the beginning you'll choose which avenue you want to go down. Yeah. So everyone's gaming experience will be different depending on which avenue they, they're more interested in. Totally. So like in these open world games, which is kind of cool is they'll become kind of, they'll not be so much about completion anymore. Cause right now, like there is a kind of a completion point where you could probably reach the end of the game, like in a certain point where it's like, okay, there's nowhere else to go now. But like, eventually I think what's going to happen with games, which is going to be more like life is we're going to stop seeing an end to a game. We're going to start seeing games as once you have this game, you have this kind of experience you can have and continue on with forever. Like if you think about games in the beginning, like super Mario brothers, you beat super Mario's. And then you beat it again and then you beat the game again and there's always an end. Yeah. But like now games are getting away from the end. Yeah. The end's a little bit gray. Yeah. Yeah, It's much more like, like where do you, where does it end there? You know? And, and I think this is more telling too of the way, like we're experiencing our own lives too, is where we don't look at things like, okay, I'm going to graduate high school and then I'm going to, then I'm going to go to college and I get my degree and then I'm going to get a job and then I'm going to get married and then I'm going to get a house and I'm going to get a car and I'm going to get a dog and then have some kids and then I'm going to retire and I'm going to die. You know, it's like life used to be much more like I'm going to hit these milestones and it's over, you know? But now I think what what's happening is like you said, people are more into the experience of life. They're more into the meaning of life. And, and yeah. it, we're less concerned with things like getting married and having kids and getting a dog and a house and a car, although we will, but it's not about that anymore. And yeah. so video games are becoming more reflective too, of how we're even living. Now I, I'm, I know there's some people who are just like all about get a job, get married, get a house, whatever. That's fine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but the mindset, because like, where, like, where are we always trying to get to? You know, we're always like, well, once I get here, once I get that promotion, everything will be good, right? Well, that will normalize. And then pretty soon you'll want something else. And I think we're catching on to that. We're, we're, we're catching on to that as a society that there is no point where you can just sit back and be comfortable and life's just, just done because you got to live life, Yeah. you know, and, and video games are becoming more of an experience to live through, you know, and I don't know. I, I, I think that's a pretty cool thing, you know, totally. cause I remember they used to say about the final fantasy games cause they always boasted about it's a 50 hour game. It's a 70 hour game. 
you know, but there is an end point after 70 hours Yeah. with, with GTA now it's a, there is no hour now. It's like some guys I, I, I have played for two or 3000 hours. <laughs> you know what I cool. mean? So like, I don't know what they're doing with their lives. I mean, I don't judge them, but I mean, some people that's, they, you know, they probably get home from their work and whatever. And they go into this game and they love playing this game and they love doing that. And like, I mean, everybody can sit around and we can judge video game players. I mean, to someone who's maybe like, well, I wouldn't do that with, with my life. I mean, whatever for them, they find a certain amount of passion and joy out of doing that. So like, who's to make them wrong? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not everybody has to do life the same way. That's the beauty of this fucking thing. Yeah. We get to do it how we want to do it. If you want to play video games your whole life and you can figure out how to like put a roof over your head and keep eating and be healthy enough to kind of live, then do it. If that's what you want to do. I mean, if you do it after a while, like I always find for me, what happens with video games though, is I binge on a video game. I'll do it for like a weekend or a week or whatever, maybe longer, but I'll do it. I'll binge on it. I'll get get it right out of my system. And then I'll, I'll, I'll not want to play video games for a little while. I want to go do something else. Yeah. But that's me. And I'm not saying that's best, but I just know me. So what I like to do is when I get a video game, I like to just invest in it, do it full out and then let, and then I can let it go. But if yeah. I play it incrementally, I find I always want to play it. I'm always thinking about it. Yeah. You know? So that's kind of my method, but everybody has their own thing. And I don't think there's a right or a wrong thing, but I think the thing is, is video games definitely need to lose their stigma. You know, like people need to let go of their judgments about like video games. Cause video games are a future. They're, they're going to be a part of life, the interactivity and the experience of them, whether it's yeah. entertainment or educational or something else, it's, it's our future. I mean, that's where we're going. Yeah. You know, it's not like, uh, it's not, it's not something that I think if, if you, we take away our judgments right now, we can start to be open to what's kind of yeah blossoming. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a part of being an artist too, because like now I'm looking at artists, like they're using their iPads or these workbooks and they're using digital pens and they're creating amazing images Yeah. and no paper and whatever. And so like, well, is that a video game? That's technically a video game there, isn't it? But, but no. Okay. So where's the line, right? Well, if you're creating something now, it's not a video game. Well, it's still digital. It's still virtual reality. Well, you can print it off and make it reality. Okay. So what, so what's the say? Yeah. Where's where's this line? Where's this line? Yeah. So yeah, things aren't so black and white is my point. No, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, this is, um, it's been kind of fun and interesting talking about this. I like talking about video games. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's, 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 it's a fun, I can, I can talk video games until I'm blue in the face and, and you know, E3 is coming up and I'm excited. I'm planning on watching like some of the live press conferences to see what, what's coming out, to see what kind of new experiences are, are coming out. And, and that's the thing there's, man, there's so much fan service that goes on within video games, you yeah. know, like, and you know, like as artists and, and, you know, we're, we work in different mediums, but you know, there's, there is, there can be an issue with when you're just trying to make something that the fans always want. Um, but at the same time, it's just like really being able to listen to what people are asking for can be so valuable to us as well. You know, I think this is maybe one of the things that we can learn from what the video game industry does so well is it's not necessarily completely listening to people, but it is 
because it still has to offer fresh and new experiences that people haven't had before. Um, while still honoring what's come before and what people have experienced in the past, which makes it so much like, you know, anything else like a movie yeah. or anything. Um, but I think that it is an industry that is so like they do, they have so much fan service. They, they, they care so much. Well, not necessarily that they genuinely care, but it's in their business. They have to care right. about it because that is, that is how they, they are going to be able to do their work, right? That is, that is the determiner of, of their success to continue making stuff is because it's like, ultimately you're the one who's going to have it in their hands. And if it's shit, if you don't like the experience, then you're going to tell your friends it's shit and your friends aren't going to buy it and blah, 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 blah. Right. Like, it's just, there's, there's so there is a, an entire level of audience awareness that is, I think goes kind of beyond what most other industries do. Hmm. Yeah. I think so too. I think, you know, I think too, like now we have more than ever. I mean, we, I used to buy video game magazines. Well, I guess my brother did, but I would always like read them or whatever. And, uh, you know, video game magazines, and then they kind of give you ratings and tell you about these games and stuff like that. But now more than ever, like people's, um, ratings and stuff, these games, you know, it's like the same as critics in movies, you know, like people are very passionate and like, they want to explain like to other people, like, this is how we rate this game. This is the gameplay. This is the graphics. This is, you know, whatever. And, um, yeah. So I, I, you know, but it's, what's also interesting though is that I I've seen some of those publications online and otherwise they've changed the rating scale on it just because of how, how volatile the industry is. Um, is that I know that there was one, I think it was Eurogamer or something. They changed their rating system from a numerical one to one that was like, uh, that was a more sort of like, it was a little bit more ambiguous. It was like a must play. Hmm. Like you must play this game or like, like sort of like more of like worth playing, hmm. but like maybe not like a must play, but it's like, this is worth playing or because they found that, um, there were good games that were coming out that nobody was playing because of the rating on it. Hmm. And they were like, no, it's not because, it's not good. In fact, you should actually play this, like go out there and, and whatever, like it's not a bad game, but so often people would see that, you know, that, you know, six and a half or a seven rating on something and they'd go, Oh, I'm not going to touch it. Right. Right. But they weren't saying it's not good, but people would take it that way. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, um, you know, let's wrap this baby up. Yeah. Um, Okay. I think what I'm going to take away from this, this whole thing is I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm playing video games. You know, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of like, just take a moment to check in with some of these video games I've been playing and really just check in with the experience I'm having. Just kind of like take note of that. You know, I don't know if this will ever happen, but I do have kind of a fascination with one day, maybe getting into video game development in some way or another. Um, 
So when I, whenever I play video games, I'm always kind of taking mental notes of like what I like and what I'm learning. And I, I tend to just be interested in it. So I tend to kind of pay attention a little bit to like where technology is going with that. Yeah. Um, so I think what I'm going to look for this week is I'm just going to have some fun play playing some video games. I'm going to kind of look at the experiences that I'm having or that I can create. Um, like the other day I was doing a heist or something, uh, in Grand Theft Auto. And, um, there was this moment we were pinned down by the police and we're like under this bridge and, and like, I'm off trying to get the drugs or whatever we had to pick <laughs> up the money. And my buddy's having a shootout with these cops that are coming in from both sides. And he's like, and I can hear him on the other end. And he's like, I'm looking at him from like way, like way across the map, like down the, down the alley. And he's like having this big shootout. And he's like, I feel like fucking Rambo right now. He's just like, yeah, you know, he's like having this moment. And like, that was an experience that like you probably wouldn't have in this mission. It's just that where we ended up and just the fact that we were like the only two together in this area. And so it's like kind of, kind of cool, you know, it's like, and I think these video games, sometimes they can give you these one of a kind experiences. And I mean, you were mentioning about GTA, like you were sharing this idea about how, like, imagine you got caught in traffic and you're trying to get away from the police, like that they probably will create that something like that in the future. That'd be so cool. Yeah. Cause you know, that would be just an experience that you could only ever have in a video game because in real life, yeah. that would be insane to do. Yeah. And not <laughs> advisable. Yeah, in, exactly. In, right. Yeah. At all. But in a video game, it's all fun and games and you move on and then it's done. But you, you know, you were like, yeah. remember that part where the traffic and you in, had to run in many through ways. It, it can yeah. let you be, be the actor. Yeah. A little bit, you know, in a movie which not everybody guess, you know, it's like, it's, you know, like it doesn't just get to be like, uh, I just started thinking of heat because of thinking of Grand Theft Auto, but it's like, you know, it doesn't just get to be Robert De Niro and Val Kilmer, like running through cars and doing big shootouts in the street and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like doing make believe it kind of gives everybody an opportunity to, to have a, some kind of a level of make believe, right. right. And just being in an extraordinary situation. So, um, yeah. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to look for these extraordinary situations as I'm playing and kind of just take note and really, I think, I think what I'm just going to do is just take note and appreciate and have some gratitude for the fact that I get the opportunity to do this. Yeah. Like I think I, I think I do that to some degree already, but like, for example, even playing battlefield, being stuck in a little mortar hole and like holding down a base with like a bunch of yeah. guys crowding in, like that's an experience. I, I don't know how to describe it. It might sound silly to someone who's never played video games, but like do it and you'll understand what I mean. It's, it's, kind of cool. You know, it's, yeah. it's, uh, some of these games, they just create a really neat, uh, a neat experience. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I don't know what my takeaway from this one is necessarily. <laughs> like, I think it's probably something similar, similar to yours is, you know, I'm just going to try and like appreciate more of like the, the little things, you know, the little things that are in a video game that, that, yeah, that create this kind of an experience, especially from the stuff I, I really like, I mean, you know, you can take, you can learn from the stuff you don't like. I prefer to learn from the stuff I really like, mm. you know, but like from the stuff I really like, just, just kind of like take time to, to say like, Oh, what was it about it? Like these little things. And I'm surprised yeah. you never mentioned that one game. You almost wrote a script about, uh, that Oh, Bloodborne. Bloodborne. Yeah. Cause you really like that game. That one's great. Yeah. It is fantastic. But it inspired you enough to even think to write a story because, yeah. you know, so, I mean, that's a, that's an interesting thing, right? Yeah. So yeah, I'm not going to go down that one. That's a great game. People bloodborne. <laughs> we don't have to. All right. So, uh, so yeah, everybody, uh, thanks a lot for joining in 
And, um, you know, maybe if you're not so open-minded to video games, maybe like open your mind a little, try some stuff out, look for the experiences you can have. And then, uh, if you are an avid video game player and you play all the time, maybe take a moment and instead of just kind of like getting too caught up in this game, like stop and just appreciate what you're getting the opportunity to be a part of. And maybe, maybe even open your mind to playing a video game that is not really in your wheelhouse. You know, maybe like break out of the norm of something if you play one game all the time. Or if there's, I would say maybe it's like, if you play, if you come across a game or if you're playing something that just blows your mind, you know, take a moment to say, it's like, what was the stuff that kind of like made that so great for you? You know, what was kind of new and interesting and exciting about it that you've never experienced before? Mm -hmm. You know, try and find those new experiences that are in it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So this was, uh, what video games can teach us about creating an experience. See y'all later. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family, or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks. Thanks.